You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series, syndicating for the A-List online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and what follows is a conversation between myself and Josh Rand from the outfit Stone Sour. The reason for the conversation is to promote Stone Sour's appearance on the upcoming Good Things Festival. There are three dates, all in December, Friday the 7th, they're in Melbourne, Saturday the 8th, the festival hits Sydney, and finally on Sunday the 9th, they play Brisbane. So let's have a listen to what Josh has to say. Here we go. Thank you, Andrew, for holding. Andrew McCasey, Medal Obsession. You're now in an interview with Josh Rand from Stone Sour. Go ahead, please. Thanks very much for that. Josh, how are you, mate? How's things? It's good. How are you? Plug it away, mate. It's Monday morning over here, so it's probably late Sunday night wherever you are, being in the Northern Hemisphere. I've just dropped up the kids to school and... Uh, at the ripe old age of 40, I've re-enrolled to go back to university, so I've got that laying ahead for me today, actually. Today oh. is the first day that I go back since the last wow. time I was there in 1996, so wish me luck. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Congratulations. On that. Thanks, cool. mate. No worries. Good. So tell us, mate, uh, good things. The festival that's coming up, it effectively acts as, uh, I wouldn't say as a replacement, but since Soundwave went the way of the dodo good things is the next best thing and you guys are headlining it so you must be looking forward to the shows oh absolutely i mean when we got word about this new festival uh and the opportunity to come back down you know to australia i mean we were over the moon i mean the reality is is you know usually we only get to come down there once an album cycle so, you know, we love it down there. And then to basically what looks like the end of our record cycle hmm. to be down there is awesome. I mean, and to headline it, I mean, or co-headlining it. I yeah, guess. with the offspring. Yeah, that's right. Um, we're, yeah, we're beyond stoked. Hmm. So let's talk about that album for a sec. So uh, the album's Hydrograd. I actually reviewed it. This time last year, or a bit over actually, you're right, it's been out for a bit over 12 months at this point. Uh, I thought it was a good album, by the way, but it did have some, some left turns. So uh, can you tell me about St. Marie and uh, When the Fever Broke? What was the inspiration behind those cuts? Because they, they really, uh, they intrigued me. Um, well, I'll start with St. Marie. St. Marie just started out as an acoustic song that Corey had written. And usually he does those songs throughout you know, um, the writing process for every record, you know, starting all the way back with Bother on the first record, which did stay just acoustic. Mm. Um, and then we kind of just build around it. And it was really weird because it started, we started putting it together and, um, you know, between Christian and myself, we always split the guitar solos mm. or whatever. And, I ended up being the person to, that was going to write the guitar solo for the song. And I, <coughs> excuse me, over a course of the weekend, like I was supposed to, you know, record it or whatever, work on it on a Monday, let's say. And I, and I messed around the weekend prior to it. And everything I played, to be, kind, to be quite honest, sounded like an 80s hair metal ballad. <laughs> I mean, I guess there's no other way of, cool. of putting it. And I was like, yeah, I was like losing my mind over and it was just like, man, I know what I hear and actually what I hear is 
slide guitar. Yeah. And because like right now, over the last couple of years, I've been going through this like Eagles phase. Um, and it's um, interesting. Yeah. I can't play it. I'll just be honest. And uh, so I came in on that Monday and talked to Jay Rustin, and I was like, I was like, I hear sl- slide guitar. I think it would be awesome. And um, I said, I think we should try to find another player. I was like, you know, I think we could just maybe ask Derek Trucks to play on it. I mean, nice. all I could do is mm. tell us no. I mean, and uh, I was like, it would be awesome. And he's like, well, I know this pedal steel player that had he had worked with on a different project. So he hit him up, and he, he was like, just do whatever you hear. Is kind of we kind of let him just go at it with no, uh, I guess, sense of direction or rules. Hmm. And what you hear, pretty much on on the album, is exactly what he sent back. I mean, there was really no adjustment to what yeah, no need he for editing. essentially yeah. played. Yeah. What yeah, I so I mean, it was just amazing. Yeah, what I felt about it was that it reminded me a lot of uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, and that's why I, that's why I asked you the question about it. It's always oh, interesting wow. you get the story behind the song because it was a, I felt it was a left turn for you guys, and I don't know your music intimately, admittedly, but I hadn't heard from your good selves music that resembled Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, and there was another interesting reference that you put in there, which is the Eagles. So that could have been another way that I went. Some of the more uh, some of the earlier material that. Um, can't remember the name, the name of the guitarist that left the band in the seventies. Sorry, it's the name's escaping me. But it reminded me of his material as well. I just didn't put that in the review. But the other the other song that I mentioned, when the fever broke, I said that that's all dim lights and whiskey on the rocks. So is that an appropriate reference? Do you think, or what else would you say about the the song? Um, really, that song all came about musically with me just messing around with the Eventide H nine guitar pedal mm, okay. and that's kind of where it started um and then it, we it, we just built it i just it was more about creating like a soundscape with the song and slowly all of a sudden all these guitar riffs became like these weird effect parts and there's a lot of layers going on in that song and then you know i think Corey's approach vocally um, was almost, I think he was trying to uh, draw inspiration from David Bowie. Um, wow, okay, I didn't pick that. There you go. As far as the yeah. lyrical and vocally approach. So, it, but within Stone Sour, the great thing about it is we've, we've been able to do it for so long and we always throw curveballs and those aren't necessarily intentional. Mm-hmm. It's just, us just trying different stuff and luckily we have a loyal enough fan base that allows us to be able to experiment hmm. something else i've liked about you actually and i've got to i've got to share this with you is i i'm at the point where i don't so much uh listen to bands per se is i focus on the musicianship within a band or a particular guitarist, bassist, drummer, vocalist, whatever it might be. But with Stone Sour, I've actually made a point of focusing on your contribution. So I did enjoy the DVD, The Sound and the Story, because I think the first... Oh, wow. Yeah, the first point there would be that I understand that it's essential in this day and age for you to be very entrepreneurial and to give yourself as much 
avenues, if you like, for people to get to know who you are. So therefore, you can, I'll be frank here, earn money because it's a bloody hard business to earn money out of. We get that. But it also showed another side of you that I think it, it almost sets you up. And I hope you don't mind me saying this because it might be something you've already thought about, but for a solo career. So that I, that'll be my point wrapped in a question there. Have you thought about doing something on your own beyond the sound of the story? Because it's really very engaging material and the story you share on that DVD. Um, to be quite honest, it's like I've dumped my heart and soul into Stone Sour. Like, mm. I know most people, because of the unique situation that we're in, where, you know, Corey's in both bands. Yeah, I'll get that. And, yeah. you know, at one time, Jim also in, in, in Stone Sour. Um, I don't think everybody, essentially, if you're if you're not a huge fan and know the band really well, that the contribution that I put in, like Stone Sour, never stops for me. I guess is the easiest way to explain. Yeah, you're the guy. Or we'll go back to Slipknot next year, and and yeah, and I'll be the person that's per- pushing, um, possibly a new thing for Record Store Day, and still doing the merch, and, mm. you know, all that stuff. It never it never stops, and I'll be involved in our, you know, our social media outlets and all that, and it's always been that way. Um, you know, as far as breaking off, you know, I know the other guys, obviously, Corey, like I touched on, Corey's going to go back to Slipknot next year, mm. and a few um, opportunities have, you know, come forth for a couple of the other guys to do other things but for me I, I don't see that happening I don't I mean it's like Stone Sour is like my baby and if it did it would be definitely something completely different than Stone Sour um, and what I mean by that is maybe I play guitar w- with a pop artist or something like Nuno Betancourt. With, That'd be awesome. You know, yeah, I could see you doing something like that. that. It would definitely, it would be something like that. Then here's another band. Because the thing is, is I'm so involved in Stone Sour and my writing styles that way. Then it might just sound like Stone Sour with somebody else singing. I mean, yeah, you know what I'm saying. So yeah, I get like, it. Yeah. yeah, unless it was completely different, um, I don't see myself. Or or if something. Another opportunity came, uh, you know, presented itself with playing with somebody else that where the band was already established in what they are. Hmm. For instance, you know, um, Andy with Judas Priest. I mean, hmm. let's just say like that scenario where it's it's already a band that I'm playing parts that are pretty much written, and I'm helping that band out or something like in that, you know. It would be something, like I said, for me to start a new project in hard rock slash metal, I don't see that happening. Hmm. I'm so glad you mentioned... Because that's my concern of doing it. Yeah, and there's honestly no point. You've already got this lane taken up, and Stone Sour is already occupying enough of that lane for you, but you mentioned Nuno in there and the work that he's doing. You didn't mention Rihanna, but that's who he's doing his work with. He's he's an individual that I could see you doing work with, and that's Taylor Swift. Now, I know she's brand Taylor Swift in 2018, totally understand that, but if ever there was an opportunity for you to step in and do some co-writing, co-production, and indeed potentially do what Butch has done with um, Pink, 
Butch Walker has done with Pink, where he's doing, I think he's doing some production and he's actually doing a lot of the live stuff. I think he was just in Australia, actually. I could be wrong, but with Pink. But if ever the opportunity came for you to work with someone like Taylor, I take it you would you'd grab that with both both hands. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm a, I'm a musician. I mean, that's how I, I view myself. I don't view myself as a rock star or any of that crap. So to me, that would just be another avenue that I haven't traveled that I would get to to travel. You know, it would be crazy not to take that opportunity, especially to the opportunity to write stuff that's different than what I'm known for writing. Hmm. I mean, to me, it would be a challenge. And I would be curious to be, to have that creative world be able to be open um, and to pursue it. I mean, I do, I, we do have a lot of freedom, like I said, in Stone Sour, you know, we made sure in the very beginning that we would never be boxed in by anything. Hmm. I mean, and, but, you know, obviously, Pink, Rihanna, Taylor Swift, all that is nothing like anything that we've ever written. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it would be interesting. And another thing, I, I mean, I don't know if I'm a great, a good enough musician to do it, but I would love to play in like an orchestra band. Mm. I think it would be awesome. I love strings. I love okay. classical compositions. Um. You that couldn't, would be amazing. You couldn't see yourself doing something like what Ingve was doing, where he was out the front of the Stockholm. I think it was a stock. No, it was a J- Japanese symphony, uh, Japanese symphonic orchestra. I think that he was out the front of. I could be wrong. It was either the Stockholm or the Swedish orchestra or a Japanese orchestra that he was standing out the front of, interpreting uh, Bach and Tchaikovsky. Could you see yourself doing something like that? Yeah. Well, he's a whole other level. <laughs> no, he's a whole other level. He's like one of my heroes. So I mean. Um, yeah, that that's beyond that. It would be more of just being part of, you know... Yeah, in the orchestra piece, being, yeah. Um, just a piece of the orchestra, you know? Mm. Another thing that I thought would be awesome, depending on what it is, and a lot of people might tear me up for saying this, but even um, being in the uh, play arts as far as moving up the Billy Joel thing or mm. the Beatles... Thing. And I don't know how much of that travels actually down to you guys, but in the U.S., you know, that's actually a big thing. I mean, those those things are huge. And if it was, for instance, I'm an extreme nut for the Beatles. Hmm. I mean, to be a part of that would be awesome. <clears throat> Indeed. All right. I think that's it. If the lass in the background there wants to tell me, have I got time for one more question or are we done? I was- I was just about to say, this is your two-minute reminder, so you can ask one more if you like. That is absolutely fine, but I'm glad you know. So No worries at all. All good. All right. That's uh, fine. Thank you. Thanks. Hey, Josh, uh, last question then. Mate, your relationship with Australian fans, you, you do have a fan base down here, so what's it been like, the relationship between Australia and Stone Sour over the years? Um, well, it's been awesome. Every For us, truly, down there, it's we've gotten bigger every time we've come and our fan base has gotten, um, you know, like I said, it's grown so much and, and, uh, you know, obviously if we don't get the love down there and it, and it works that way with any band, hmm. you know, it's, it's hard to get down there. I mean, you have to have the fan base usually to be able to come down there and tour. 
and uh, so we've been very fortunate, and you know, I, we're in you know this crazy situation between two bands. Mm-hmm. So to always be, you know go away for a couple of years and be able to come back and really pick up where you left off and not ever lose any ground, like it is one of the only um, places where we keep becoming bigger and bigger every Holy. record. Mm. It's really not tapered off for us. Over 16 years is crazy. Fantastic, mate. All right, well, I better let you go. Thanks for the opportunity to have a chat. And you know what else? Congratulations on a stellar career. And I know you'll keep on contributing to the music industry and making great music longer to the future. So thank you very much for the conversation. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Catch you. Bye. Thanks, Andrew. No worries. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series syndicating for the A-List Online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that conversation featured Josh Rand from the outfit Stone Sour. Thank you so much for listening.